Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. After that trip, I told you, thank you for sharing your church with me because it became a place of healing for me. And Patagonia specifically, um, a place of, of finding that inspiration. It'll always be a very special place for me. Welcome to Jump Podcast, formerly known as the Budget-Minded Traveler. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, welcome back to Jump Podcast. This is episode 106 and we're going to get right into it today with one of my favorite places in the world, Patagonia. And this is a huge subject and it's been one that I've been wanting to tackle for quite a while because I know from your messages and comments and emails that you have tons of questions about it and I have a lot of answers, but I wasn't sure how to present them. Um, And so my goal today is just to do my best to cover what is Patagonia? How do you get there? Why should you or shouldn't you go there? Best time of year to visit. Um, what you can expect to find there. Best ways to travel there. How you should pack, etc. It is a lot to cover. Um, and I want to be as helpful as I can, including offering a second opinion. And that is where my guest today comes in. So um, I want to introduce you all to Brittany. Brittany, say hi. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, everybody. So Brittany is one of you. <laughs> she she started <laughs> as a listener of this podcast. And um, I guess it was almost, was it almost three years ago now, right, Brittany? That you yeah. were, I guess it maybe two and a half years ago. You no, were, it was about this time. It was about January of 2016. Okay. It was about this time when I found the Budget-Minded Traveler. Okay. And then that year, like later that year, you were my very first sign up ever for my first Patagonia trip that I led there in 2016. And I will let you talk a little bit more that in a, about that in a minute. Um, but just to bring all of you listeners up to speed, <laughs> since then, Brittany has been on all three of the trips that I have led to Patagonia. <laughs> like year after year, she keeps signing up. Um and she's traveled a bit there independently as well, which is why I believe that she's a great person to have present for this conversation and sort of help me with this, you know, huge, huge topic of Patagonia. And on that note, let me just say this before we get started. Brittany, a lot of people yeah. get nervous to be on the show. And I think that's the beauty of it. Honestly, like we are just people <laughs> who love to travel. We're having a conversation. We're giving insight, guidance, inspiration to those listening. So thank you for showing up and saying yes. Don't be afraid of what you sound like or if you mess up or, you know, whatever. We're just here to talk about something we both love. And that's it. And I know that the listeners appreciate that because you are a perfect example of, you know, them, like we're all relatable. And so thank you again for saying yes. Um, and I hope you're ready to talk about Patagonia. 
Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited. Patagonia is a very, very special place for me, as you know. So I'm I'm more than happy and excited to be here. So yeah, and nervous. <laughs> I know. It's okay. It's okay to be nervous. It's like it's like being on one of your favorite TV shows or something, you know, as a <laughs> as an extra with like this person that you admire. So <laughs> Oh, thank you, Brittany. <laughs> thank you so much. Um Yeah, no. All right. So I think what we should start with is what is Patagonia? Like literally and also what it means to us, because that's why we're both here, you know, today. But I know that first of all, people aren't even really sure of what Patagonia is like quite literally, like geographically on a map. They're not really sure. Some people think it's a country. It's not. Um, And so I'm going to briefly describe what it is for real. And then I think you and I should each take a minute to describe what it is for us and why we keep going there (laughs) uh, to kind of set the stage for this conversation today. So um, I'll start with that. So Patagonia on a map Go to South America on the map in your mind or online, whatever. And if you go all the way to the south of Chile and Argentina, the entire, basically like probably 25% or so of those two countries, the bottom portion is Patagonia uh, collectively. So it's sort of like an idea. Like I actually often relate it to New England in the United States. Everybody kind of knows what New England is, even if you maybe can't draw like an exact border around it. You have an idea of what New England is. It's those states that make up like the northeast part of the United States. That's very similar to Patagonia. It's like a region that kind of is an idea. That's what Patagonia is. Um, There isn't like literally a, um, a county or anything down there that's called Patagonia. It's the entire region as the idea itself. Um, So it does span two countries, Chile and Argentina. It contains several regions within both of those countries. And it's massive. Like the length of it, I was just looking on a map to try and figure this out. And I think it's roughly about a thousand miles long from top to bottom. And that's like a third of how of the width of United States. Like it's big. It's huge. And so that is where it is on a map. And it it most of it, like actually not most of it, um, but the the western part of it is the Andes, the tip of the Andes mountain range. And so there's a lot of um, mountainous terrain in there, including fjords and glaciers. It is home of the <laughs> southern Patagonian ice field, which is the third largest mass of ice, freshwater ice in the world, um, you know, us, uh, af- um, behind our Antarctica and uh, Greenland. Um, and so glaciers trekking all of that and um, islands, it's on, the, especially on the Chilean side, it's very, it's not like a continuous piece of land. It's like rough, just fjords and islands. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty adventurous <laughs> down there. I guess I'd say the map looks like dots. It's just like full of um, disconnected pieces of land. And, um, and then on the, eastern side of Patagonia, it's actually mostly desert. This might really surprise some of you, but Patagonia is home to the eighth largest desert in the world. Did you know that, Brittany? I actually did not. Okay. So the steppe, which is, it's like more than 80% of Patagonia is made up of this desert. And so when you think of Patagonia, you probably are thinking of the Western part, like the Andes, like the mountains. 
and not so much the desert, even though that is really what makes up most of it. So if you're interested in seeing a lot of flat land with some coast, go to that part on in the Argentine on the Argentinian side. Um, <laughs> but I think mostly today we're going to be talking about the Andes. So the mountains and that part of Patagonia, because that's where people really go. And so anyway, I hope that helps to put it on a map for you. Okay, so the reason that I first went to Patagonia was actually for a conference. Um, it was it had been on my bucket list for quite a while. And I it was one of those places where I had just started kind of collecting pictures, you know, on Instagram and seeing like, this is a place that I want to go. I knew about it. Um, I had talked to people about it, but I'd never been until 2015. And um, I'm actually going to read something real quick to you guys to kind of set set the um, the view kind of stage for this place because um, this was a my answer to a question I was asked recently, which was, "What was the most transformative outdoor experience in your life?" Which is like that's a pretty big question. <laughs> Um, but I knew right away what it was. And this is, this is what I, I I took a piece of this from a blog post I had written before, but this is my answer to that. Um, my first time trekking the W circuit in Torres del Paine National Park in Chile in 2015. This is the answer to what was my most transformative outdoor experience. I had just left my entire life as I knew it behind. Uh, I had no idea what lay ahead as I started a nomadic life on my own. And the very first place I went was Patagonia. There, hanging glaciers broke into avalanche before my eyes. Snow thundered over the cliffs below and echoed against the stark silence of unspoiled nature. Galaxies only visible from the southern hemisphere appeared in the endless black of the night sky, unpolluted by light of any kind. Turquoise waters filled the valleys at the feet of towering snow-capped peaks, Groups of condors watched from overhead, freely riding the currents of the wind, unthreatened by civilization. Wind whipped through my clothing to my bones in a cold, deep, tangible embrace, which I welcomed with arms wide open. Gray glacier groaned and cracked in my face, threatening to calve at any moment, alive and wild, lending its perfect ice to my lakeside Pisco Sour. I could taste this place, smell it, feel it, hear it and see so much more than I had ever seen. Everything was new in my world and I knew I was gonna be okay as I set out on my own. Part of who I am now was born in those mountains and like a migratory bird following her most natural instincts, I keep going back to them. So that, wow, Jackie. yeah, <laughs> I know I'm, wow. I'm <laughs> thanks. I just smiled through that whole thing. Oh, I know I, it literally like writing that Almost, like made me cry and like sometimes when I read it back it's like because it just transports me like I go right back there you know and it's yeah I know you understand this because you've been there you've done this exact thing with me twice now you know like I know <laughs> you get it and it's really hard to capture that and that's why I wanted to read it um because I feel like that is maybe a glimpse of capturing what Patagonia has maybe has the power to do. Um, but anyway, and that's only one really tiny little corner of it. That's one little spot. I mean, we, we just went over how big it is, but um, that is why I keep going back. It's just a special magnetic place for me um, that has turned into my second home <laughs> since then. I mean, I've spent more time there than I have in Montana, like in recent years, which... Um, is kind of a crazy stat, but it 
I mean, maybe I've over, maybe I've uh, um, tipped the scale on that one now that I've kind of moved home. But, but yeah, that was like my place. So it still is. It still is for sure. But after real, real quick, after that first experience that I went there, I was back five months later on the Argentinian side. And that's what I moved to Bariloche for three months. Um, and that's, it's in Northern Patagonia. And um, later that year is when I led that first trip to Southern Patagonia, which is where I had that experience that I just read. And then the next year I led one through the Patagonian Lake District, which is Bariloche and then the Chilean side as well. And then I did a road trip down Chilean Patagonia, which you guys have heard already on this podcast um, episode 89. That was one that I traveled with Ford from Where's the Gringo. And we we road tripped the, the Carretera Austral together. Um, and then I led the trip to Southern Patagonia again this last year. Like we just did that in uh, November. In fact, I just saw you there. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and actually... The exciting part is I have a new itinerary on the Carretera Austral in central Patagonia and Chilean Patagonia that I'm going to be running this November. It's my next Patagonia trip. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Brittany, uh, I'm going to be opening signups for that hopefully within, yeah, pretty soon here. So um, you guys can, I'm going to give you two links right now for, uh, for reference. One, um, I wrote a guide for driving the Carretera Austral, which is all of like Chilean Patagonia that I did. And you can find that at the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash Patagonia road trip, no spaces. So if you want that link, check that out. It's a huge post about that experience. It's super helpful. Um, and then the other, my group trips, you can always find whatever is happening next in Patagonia at travelingjackie.com slash Patagonia or slash trips, whichever one you want to check out. But anyway, this is like my world, my Patagonia world. Um, so that's for my part, kind of what it is for me. It's completely changed my life. I mean, I'm leading trips there now. I've become like the go-to girl for everything Patagonia. And so I feel like this um, episode has been a long time coming. Um, and now I'm I know I'm talking a lot. Uh, I know I warned you that was going to happen, Brittany. <laughs> um, but please, Brittany, will you share like what what Patagonia is to you and why like why why you're here today? Because there's a reason for that. So what is it for you? Yeah, well, I mean, if I could ditto yours, I would because for very different reasons, I felt exactly the same the first time for Patagonia for me. Um I, however, no idea what Patagonia was, never heard of it, didn't know it was a region of the world, I was completely lost on it. And um, to give a little background, I think, um, on my story, if you don't mind, Jackie, I but found you I when I was at a point in my life. Yeah, I found you because I was at a point in my life where I was working over 90 hour work weeks on average for two different jobs. And I w realized I was working life away. I had always wanted to travel and I just had it in my mind that travel was really expensive. And so that had to come with having a career. And so that was going to happen later in life. And then I just hit me that, no, I want to go now. I want to do something now. I had no idea where to start. <laughs> and so I started by finding the internet, uh, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. podcasts and blogs. And I typed in travel 
into the podcast and Budget Minded Traveler popped up and I thought, well, that's appropriate. <laughs> and I started listening. I started listening and I found this this strong female who was doing and interviewing people that were doing what I wanted to do. And I realized how possible it was. Um, and shortly before that, I remember having a conversation with my best friend and I had told her, I need to make travel a priority. I could never go for six months or a year, but I need to make it a priority. And then I found, again, I found your podcast and I decided if I sold my home that I owned in Southern California, I could do it. And then shortly in there, while I was, I'm listening to the podcast while I'm at work, you announced this trip to Patagonia. Never heard of this place. I'm like, but that sounds cool. <laughs> um, I'm not an outdoorsy person or I wasn't. Um, I wasn't a hiker. I didn't camp much. I camped as a kid with my family, but I didn't, I didn't know my travel style. I didn't know I didn't even consider myself a nature lover at this point, but I was like, oh, Patagonia, this sounds cool. I look at the itinerary and it's, oh, that's a little tough. <laughs> probably, need to, probably need to train for that a little. And I still was doing this. I can't do it. I still had my both my jobs. My condo wasn't sold yet. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then one day I was like, why am I doing this? I can't still. And I just, I literally signed up on, the, on a whim. I think I was still on the clock at work. I went on the internet and I just signed up. I love it. And um, yeah. And as you know, Jackie, the day that we Skyped, the first day we met was actually the morning I signed the escrow papers to selling my condo. Mm -hmm. um, so I had just signed off my papers. We Skyped. And I remember I told you that. And you just you told me, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this person I don't know, but I admire so much is proud of me. I'm making good choices. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I ended up in Patagonia. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did train for it. I... I started doing hikes around here in Southern California. Um, still wasn't sure what I was going to get out of it. And day one was Los Torres, um, or day one of hiking, I should say. And it was a challenging hike for me. Um, it was very challenging. I was definitely at the back of the pack. But as I came up over those rocks um, to hit Los Torres, the rest of the group, all five of you guys were up there cheering me on. And then I hit this part where you come over the edge and the towers came into view. And I'm getting emotional even just remembering mm -hmm. it because it just hit me. <clears throat> and I was just like, this is my home. This is where I belong. This is my travel style. I love nature. This is where this is where I belong. This is where I am going to to find my focus, find my motivation, find my drive, find my purpose. Um, this is where I belong. And the rest of the W proceeded to unfold really similarly. Every view was just spectacular. Every view just reminded you of how big this world is and how much there is to see and how much opportunity there is. And I had the Calafate berry and I have been back <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think after that, tr that trip, I told you, thank you for sharing your church with me because it became mm -hmm. a place of healing for me. Mm. Um, and Patagonia specifically is a place of healing, but nature as well. Um, a place of, of finding that inspiration It'll, it'll always be a very special place for me. Mm. Uh, can we get a mic drop? <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. I had chills so much just listening to you talk in there. It's just the coolest. Because I, I just get it. You know, like, I'm glad you get it. This is why you're here having this conversation with me. Like, this is why I asked you, Brittany, to show up today. Because I knew... I knew I know this about you, but like I love how you just explain <laughs> that to everybody. And and I love okay going back in your story. Um, thank you for sharing that because 
the, the, so just to clarify the big thing that you were scared to do was realizing that you could travel long-term. That was your, that was your goal. Um, and so you figured out that selling your house and rearranging your employment, (laughs) um, (laughs) would help you accomplish that goal. And you totally did it. And Patagonia was not necessarily your first stop on your like long tour, but it was the first time that you took a trip like this. And then it was like only a couple months later, you got back and you're like, dude, I I can't, I'm, 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 you know, hundred percent. Like I, didn't you move your departure date up like two months? You're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. (laughs) Actually. Yeah. That's, that's the part that I, I left off there, I guess, is Patagonia was not my plan when I was selling the condo was to be in Japan in April. And I really didn't have any plans outside of that. And then I ended up in Patagonia in November. And in that trip, I started talking to you guys about going to Costa Rica as just like a little birthday trip for myself in January. But yeah, right. through through that trip in Patagonia, I realized one, I, I loved, I wanted to be in Latin America also. Um, and so I I got home from Patagonia and that weekend was uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It was Black Friday. And so there was a bunch of Black Friday sales and I booked a one-way ticket to Costa Rica. I booked a, yes. I booked a trip with uh, under 30 experiences to start off my first 10 days there. But then I also arranged a work away and just decided to make Costa Rica the beginning. And I ended up leaving in February instead of April. And I ended up spending mm-hmm. a year in Latin America instead of I, I, who knows where else I would have been, but it, it ended up working out being exactly where I needed to be. And it led me to where I needed to be. Um, and it, it shaped that following year as well as my travel style. And when I tell people it changed my life, Patagonia, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. It changed my life. It shaped what that travel style and what my, my travel future and my journey was going to look like. I love that so much. After so this has been let's before we before we get back to the Patagonia thing let's let's stay on this for a minute um how are you different now that you've traveled for a year over like abroad on your own I mean I'm very different the way I the way I look at the way my mind processes things is different and I I know that with my work style my work life but most importantly my I'm more spontaneous I'm I'm also more reserved, which is interesting. You'd think it would almost make you more outgoing, but I, I've always been a very um, outgoing person. I was always described described as a social butterfly, as I always felt myself as being an extrovert. But I actually solo traveling, I've become quite introverted. Um, I really, I really, really learned to value or how important my my solo time is, as mm-hmm. well as those connections with people. So um, living in hostels, I had to look like I really realized how important it was to search out that corner. I liked hammocks. I'd find that hammock in the corner to get hmm. some alone time because otherwise you're constantly surrounded by people. Um, so I learned to really enjoy being alone a lot more than I ever did before. I listen better, uh, especially mm-hmm. being in a country where you're not, you know, I'm having to translate a lot. I feel like I'm a better listener. I, I hear, I try to hear more than what's just being said, you know, mm-hmm. when you're listening in another language, you're constantly you're, you're trying not to think while you're listening because you have to listen. And so I feel like I've practiced that better. Um, I'm such a different person before, before that year, everything was, 
I'm, I'm, everything was about the future. Like, oh, I need to save for later. Oh, I need hmm. what's going to happen in five years. What's going to happen in 10 years. And I cannot look past six months now, <laughs> even financially. Like then this is where <laughs> probably scares some people, but I'm like, well, I mean, like Patagonia, people are like, oh, you must be rich. No, I, <laughs> I actually put some of that on credit card because I just made it a priority. And I'm still, I just barely finished paying that off working, you know, <laughs> because that's my priority. So that's where I'm different. Old, like before, oh, putting a trip like that on a credit card and having to pay that off and having to worry about, you know, a year from now about that still being there, that that's all very different for me. It's, it's very much what is important to me now mm-hmm. while still being smart. You know, I'm not, yeah. you know, you can't, you, you still have to be smart. I'm not saying yeah, everyone go right. throw everything on credit, but I'm just, you know, if you have that opportunity, I take it now. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried about five, 10 years from now. I'm not even worried in a lot of ways, I'm not even worried about two years from now. I mean, I, I do have big pictures. I do have goals for those, but mm-hmm. what can I do in this year to get there? And it's not all focused on working a ton like I used to be to have money to do these things later. It's what can I do with the money that I have now? Yeah. And that's very different for me. Well, also, the sooner you take that leap and make these things happen, the sooner you can reap the rewards from that. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can put that off um, or you could have all those lessons and be that different person now, you know, like you just said all these ways that you're different. And I mean, if you hadn't done that, you still wouldn't even know those things about yourself. You wouldn't be like that. Um, And that's, that's pretty powerful. I also like what you said about um, (laughs) how nonchalantly you said, in like the same sentence, something about solo travel, having to find a hammock because you're constantly surrounded by people. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, that's solo travel. Like that's hostels. That's like the community of it. And it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And I'm with you. I actually, um, on the introvert thing, like I can relate a lot to that because, um, solo travel really made me, I feel like just come into my own and like recognize that, um, I am not the social butterfly that a lot of people think that I am. I mean, I can mm-hmm. be, but I'm very introverted. And um, but you know what? What it did for me was help me re- recognize the balance and like come into my own more. And so I feel like a more balanced human because of that, because of that solo time and, you know, um, kind of just understanding a little bit better about how I work. Um, yeah. Solo travel I think I'm just I think I'm still finding the balance because I'm still kind of coming out of being solo. You know, like I'm still. Mm-hmm. I still almost am preferring to be alone a lot right now. And I, I also still am trying to find that balance of still being really social and um, enjoying my extrovertedness because I definitely have <laughs> become a lot more introverted with my trouble. Yeah. That being said, it's really lonely too. So sometimes you seek out yeah, the totally the hammock next to the person, you know, yeah. it's not always the solo hammock. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so good. Um, all right. So one more thing I want to make a note on of, of something that you said, you said that you ate the calafate berry and I laughed. Yes. And, um, I think if you guys want to find out what that means, you're going to have to come to Patagonia with me and I'll leave that one at that little teaser there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So let's, uh, continue with this Patagonia conversation here because we have a lot to cover. We've talked about where, Patagonia is the fact that it's not a country. Um, okay. Here's a question that people let's, let's basically talk about how you can begin to plan a trip to Patagonia. Like how, cause that's, that's like a huge question. How does one even begin to plan a trip to Patagonia? And that is 
I think the first thing that I would say to begin to understand um, is you have to understand the regions. Like you've got to mm-hmm. understand how big it is and what different parts of Patagonia there are and what each offers. Um, and so not only do you have two countries, but you have like kind of four different sections of Patagonia that I would say. And I'm just kind of like, this is off the cuff. Um, but basically like you have Northern Patagonia, you have Central, you have Southern, and then you have Tierra Ter- del Fuego, you know. Okay, so Tierra del Fuego, in case you guys don't know, it is the very southern tip of Patagonia. It's an island. And it does also split Chile and Argentina because they have to share everything down there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They really do. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, and that's kind of different. That's where Ushuaia is. Um, There's, man, there's just, there's there's a lot to do down there too, but that's like a separate destination in itself. Um, It's a whole landscape and everything. Yeah. And like Southern Patagonia, when I say that, I mean the area where Torres Alpine National Park is, like where we did the W Trek. That's where El Calafate, El Chalten, Fitzroy, all of that is what I consider to be like kind of Southern, Southern Patagonia. And then Central would be the Carretera Austral, like the, the, and I, Central Patagonia, most of the features, like most of the cool stuff is on the Chilean side in central Patagonia um, because it's a little flatter in Argentina. Like once you cross the border, it's like you kind of lose the mountains a little bit in that central area. And so I think central is mostly Chile. And then um, Northern Patagonia is the Lake district. And um, that's like where Bariloche is on the Argentinian side, Uh, Puerto Varas, Chiloé. Those are on the Chilean side. And I would say that's kind of like the beginning of Patagonia. Um, and then it goes south from there. So each one of these places that I've just mentioned has its own, at least one of its own airports. And so when people say, oh, where do you fly into for Patagonia? It's like, no, 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 you're not asking the right question. You you got to look at a map, understand what you want to do there. Like, what is it that you want to do? Do you want to see the Switzerland of Patagonia? Then go to Bariloche, like eat chocolate, drink craft beer, you know, like figure out what each area offers. Um, if you want to do um, more, I think like indigenous uh, cultural experience, possibly like check out central, uh, maybe go to Chiloé, you know, or um, if you want to do fly fishing, fly fishing is huge down there, but there's lots of different places to do it. Um, so just have an idea, like what is it that you want to do? Are you glacier trekking? Are you hiking? Are you backpacking, camping, like kayaking? Figure out what you want to do first (laughs) and then look at the map because there are so many different places you could go. Um, And it's not just the big, I think the big ticket item here is like Fitzroy and the W Trek because that's what people are starting to hear about more and more. But that is just, like I said, one little corner of Patagonia. And there's way, 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 way more of just as beautiful things to see in the rest of Patagonia. So don't write off the rest of it for sure. Like, I think too many people are going to that part of Patagonia right now, which kind of brings me back. I don't know if you guys listened to the, actually, it was just the last episode about Tuscany um, and the importance of sustainable travel and over tourism. Keep that in mind when you're going to a place like Patagonia, that there's not a lot of people there, you know. And so um, you're, 
the things that you do matter there. And so, you know, um, respect the land, camp in the legal spots, you know, I mean, there's a lot of wild camping down there. And so you can, you can do that. But if you're in a national park, you know, respect the rules, um, pay the entrance fees, you know, help keep Patagonia amazing. Um, please do not go there if you don't want to respect it. Just don't, <laughs> just don't go there. Go yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> Um, it's hard for me even to talk about Patagonia, really. Like I almost don't want to talk about it because it means so much to me. Um, and no one should go there. No one should go there. I know. (laughs) Don't go there. I know. Um, (laughs) and it's hard, but you know what, if you're going to go do it right. And that's where I also feel like I have a responsibility to speak up and say, okay, how can I help you do it right? You know? So, but let's see, speaking about figuring out how to get down there, I think the best maybe the easiest way is to get to Santiago or to Buenos Aires. I think it depends which side you want to start on. Uh, One good thing to note is that it is not easy or cheap to fly between the countries. No, (laughs) it's like $800 to fly from like one side to the other. And you have to go to the city first and then come back. It's like, it's crazy. They don't, do that. They don't get along like that. Do not expect to just like easily fly back over the border. No. However, land crossings are fairly easy. Um, there are, there are in the main places. So like in Northern Patagonia, like around Bariloche, Puerto Varas, Puerto Montt area, um, there are buses that go back and forth regularly. It's super easy. It's like 30 bucks or something across the border. In Southern Patagonia as well, between El Calafate and Puerto Natales, there are buses that are regularly scheduled to go back and forth. The middle is a lot trickier. There is not a lot of public transportation in the whole entire middle stretch of Patagonia at all. Um, and most, so that's Yeah, where most of it's in Argentina. Sorry. The public transportation? Yeah, it's yes. going to be in Argentina. It's you're not right. a launch in the Chilean side. You're going to have to stick on the Argentinian side if you're doing public buses. You're right. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's basically rent a car or find mm-hmm. Ford. <laughs> Where's the Kringle? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just jump in his car. No, he's basically he's why there. I missed a lot of central Patagonia on the Chilean side because I did did it via bus and mm-hmm. you're you have to do it on the Argentinian side. Yeah, it's a really good point. So you've been in the central part of Patagonia on the Argentinian side. There's not a whole lot there, right? It's basically like get on a bus and go 500 miles to the next destination. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We bust from, um, Bariloche down to, um, what did we do? We did Bariloche. Actually what we ended up doing, I didn't end up busting it cause it was cheaper. I bust from Bariloche to Puerto Montt yeah. and I actually flew from Puerto Montt down to Punta Arenas because yeah. Sky Airline makes it so cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cheaper since the busing was going to be non there was going to be nothing to see no not a lot of views it was going to be the desert side the argentinian desert side um it was just cheaper to to actually fly into punta arenas from puerto Montt. that's a really really good point so it's almost the same price with sky airlines that's a chilean domestic budget airline and you can easily get flights from this is kind of where i was actually going at the beginning of this uh part was um, from Santiago. You can get flights from Santiago on Sky Airlines. Um, if you get them enough in advance, they're they're cheap. Like you can get them for like 30 to 50 bucks, you know, down to Puerto Montt or Balmaceda, which is in the central area near Coyhaique or 
what's the next one? Punta Arenas, which is all the way south. Uh, and so between those three options, those are on your Chilean side. Those are like your three options of airports and they're not close to each other. Like you have totally different itineraries in all of these places, which is why you need to know where you're going first. And then on the Argentinian side at the top, you have Bariloche. Then, um, I think Esquel actually has an airport as well. I'm not sure how frequented that is. It's right up across the border from Futaleofu, which the funny name you guys might remember that from the Carretera Austral <laughs> episode because it's just like an amazing place and really close to there on the Argentinian side is Esquel and I think that's like the last thing to note in Argentina until you get to El Chalten uh, or El Calafate so that's their next airport in 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 on the Pat- on the Argentinian side of Patagonia is El Calafate so basically like Bariloche El Calafate and then Ushuaia those are your Argentinian side um, Patagonian airports and like I said like they're all so different but anyway, if you're going to fly Sky Airlines on the Chilean side, on the Argentinian side, um, you have Argentinian Airlines and they're they're not so cheap as Sky, um, but they do service quite a bit of those, all the des- destinations with good schedules. And then La- or LATAM, they've changed their name to LATAM. LAN Airlines, LATAM is now, um, they also service both sides. They're just going to be a little bit more expensive. I guess, yeah, just different schedules. So, but anyway, if you're flying, those are your notes. (laughs) Buses, I just wouldn't recommend because they're long. They're like 30 hour buses. Like this is a, this is a big distance. Um, And so I would say pick one area, one of like the four airports, essentially, like either the North, the Central, the South or Tierra del Fuego and spend time in each of those places. Like you're not going to do all of Patagonia in one trip unless you're there for over a, a month, month I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause like the trip that we did driving from Bariloche across the border down Chile and we made it down to Calafate. I mean, that in itself was like almost a month and we didn't even, I think like a month later he was in Ushuaia, Ford went. And so it's a big area. Um, so focus on one region, I would say. Let's talk about weather. <laughs> so the best time of year to visit is a big question. And you should know, first of all, that it's opposite seasons. They are in the opposite hemisphere as we are. And so they have winter while we have summer. And I think the Best way to describe the weather down there is, well, how about unpredictable? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys heard that part about the wind in that little writing that I that I read at the beginning. The wind down there is infamous. Like it is just, in fact, wasn't it, Brittany, wasn't it on our recent group trip down there that, that they were explaining the wind of the world? Like wasn't one of the guides, someone was talking about. Oh, it. Uh, Roth kept going, the land of the wind. Well, that in- too. <laughs> Patagonia, the <laughs> land of the wind. That's true. Patagonia. That was, that was the other group trip. I just remember recently, like on our, on our one that we were just down there, um, someone was saying like, if you look at a map, there's no land that far south, like in the world from like Australia all the way to Patagonia. And so they were describing it like you get the full force of the wind, like of the world, like hitting Patagonia yes, because there's yes. no landmass to stop it. And that was just a really cool way to kind of think about it. It was like, wow, like you certainly feel the power down there. I mean, there was 
one of the days that remember the last day of our trip was like the craziest wind I've ever experienced down there. Holy goodness. Yeah, the wind definitely showed up finally on the last two days. And that that was the strongest wind I had experienced in Patagonia. Yeah, we were literally hitting the deck. We're trying to hike to Fitzroy that day in (laughs) Chalten in Argentina. And uh, the wind was like 100 mile an hour gusts. And it was the kind of wind where when you walk, it blows your front foot into your standing foot and trips you. (laughs) You trip yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It's like serious wind. And there were multiple times. It comes up so quickly, the gusts, that like it will literally knock you off your feet. Um, I think Colton, remember the time that Colton got blown off the bridge? (laughs) Yeah. Like running through the marsh. His wet feet. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, because he didn't hit the deck fast enough like we were like hanging on to the floor to the rocks to each other to each other Um, yeah yeah so the wind definitely fierce down there it's um one of the biggest yeah if you bring well i think let's we can talk about packing later but definitely a wind layer is important in patagonia i also think that um to kind of sum up the weather the chilean side is a lot choppier than the Argentinian side. At any point in Patagonia, if you compare the temperatures, I bet it's warmer in Argentina and a little bit, what's the word? Milder, like less, less wind, less crazy, less less crazy because it's, it's closer to the step, like it's closer to the desert, you know? And so you don't have the variety of the mountains. I mean, you can walk like a mile and be in a totally different climate on the Chilean side. There are so many different microclimates and the weather affects that big time or which affect the weather big time. And so it changes a lot. It's very hard to predict the weather. So basically with Patagonia, know that the seasons are opposite and bring all the layers like be every ready day, no matter for how everything. sunny it is in the morning, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say four seasons in one day. That's the weather in Patagonia. And it's on the Chilean side, it's absolutely true. Often in Argentina too, but for sure in Chile, it's like you can get... Remember um, the first trip that we did to the W? Or I mean, the first group trip. And we had that snowstorm. We had like wind, sun. We had everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Literally in that one day, because mm-hmm. it was it was the day we did um, French Valley. French Valley. Because mm-hmm. on the, the way sun. up, it was like sunny and beautiful. And we had great weather, great views and then on the way back it had started snowing mm-hmm. and everything was coated in white and I remember I was just like oh it's like totally different forest. it just moved in yeah totally um so very unpredictable weather but basically high season is gonna start um, I'd say November through April that's like spring to fall in Patagonia um peak season is for sure gonna be January and then June, July, August is the middle of winter. You can ski down there. Uh, you can ski in both Bariloche and in uh, Tierra del Fuego uh, out of Ushuaia. So on the Argentinian side, they have a couple mountains. And then obviously you can ski in Chile. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, there's some really world-class mountains uh, in Chile, but they're they're a little little further north than Patagonia. You don't go to Patagonia to ski in Chile unless you're doing like backcountry tours. Um, but there are resorts to ski at in Bariloche and in Ushuaia. Um, So if you want to go for skiing, go for skiing. Another question that I have listed here is what language is spoken there? And that is most definitely Spanish. 
Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of uh, influences from indigenous cultures down there. And so you're going to find that still existing um, people who speak the languages. And then um, a lot of the names come, a lot of the names of the places and the businesses down there come from um, the native languages. And actually that's where uh, the word Patagonia comes from too. I think for as a fun fact, because people want to know why it's called Patagonia, Patagonia comes from what the Europeans called the locals because they were like bigger people than the than the Europeans. And so they called them like Bigfoot people. And Patagon is like Bigfoot sort of not like the creature, but like it literally <laughs> means like having like a big foot. And so Patagonia would be the land of the people with the big feet. <laughs> fun fact. Um, that's why it's called Patagonia. Yeah, the clothing company was named after the region too because um, Yvonne Chouinard and Doug Tompkins actually took a trip down there in the late, I think it was 1969. Have you guys, have you seen um, 180 Degrees South? The documentary? I have not. Okay. Uh, you guys should watch that. It's about, it's about um, their original trip down to Patagonia. And those two ended up founding the North Face and Patagonia. So if you want to learn more about those, you can watch that. Okay. Do you have anything else to add for trying to begin to understand how to start planning for a trip there? Just to piggyback on what you said, just know the regions you want to do, pick it out and plan your logistics. Like know, know if you're driving, know if you're busing, know if you're flying and let that shape your, your trip. So you're not rushing. Mm -hmm. That would be my biggest yeah. And how about time, time length? Um, in any one section of Patagonia, I would say two weeks is not too much in any one section. No, in any one section, that would be like if you were to fly into Bariloche or fly into Punta Arenas. Yeah, I, I think I would say two weeks because per section. Always... You can do a lot and you can bust out mm -hmm. from each area. You could... You know, if you fly into Punta Arenas, you could bust into the Argentinian side and do Calafate El Shaltan. You know what I mean? Like you can still bus and mix that in with your flights and easily spend two weeks in each of those regions. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Easily. Yeah. I, and I mean, OK, so there was one time that I was down there and a friend of mine came and met us and she could only swing one week. Um, and so she came she came and did the W with us. It was so sad to see her go after being there for like five days because it takes like two days to get down there, mind you. It is far mm -hmm. away. It's very far away. It's like a 10-hour overnight flight from the United States to get down to Santiago. So it's far. It's like traveling to Europe or something. Like it takes like up to 50 hours. Like it's just a long ways away. And so f make sure you factor that in when you're when you're going down. You need like two days of travel on either end of your trip. And so that's why two weeks, like 10 days to two weeks is a, is, is an ideal amount of time for any one section of Patagonia. And the second that you add another one, then you add another, you know, I would say 10 days to two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Realistically. Yeah. Just to give yourself enough time. Cause there's so much to see and do. There are like 17 national parks on the Chilean side alone. I don't know if yeah. that's like, quite an accurate number but it's something right around there it's it's insane oh it's just... and if you're not renting a car you're 
you're counting on public transit time too. So that also, which is how I oh, travel. Yeah. So two weeks is re- definitely realistic because you have to put in that you're going off of public transit time to get to the national parks or because you can find public transportation to all these national parks pretty much. Um, you don't have to rent a vehicle, but you're that's going to make your days take longer. So you have to factor that definitely. into how much how much time are you spending on on the logistical side of it just to get to each of these places. Mm-hmm. And what times the national parks close, like what times yeah. you're allowed in them, um, mm-hmm. et cetera. So um, on the note of renting cars, it it's similar to anywhere else in that a one-way rental is going to be way more expensive. Um, some places might not even do it. I'm not sure. Um, but um, there's also Wicked campers down there. I know a lot of people have heard about those, but Wicked, uh, they rent all sorts of shapes and sizes of vehicles that can get you off-road. Some of them have rooftop tents. Some of them are camper vans. Um, there are those options. And so you can look into that. The end of civilization is pr- is pretty much like Puerto Varas, Puerto Montt area. That's like... I like in Bariloche, like at the top, like northern Patagonia up there. That's like the end of the road. It literally on the Chilean side is the end of the road. And so once you're there, that's where you can like stock up on everything kind of. It's an ideal place to start your trip if you're driving south because you can get everything you need um, and then you can take off. But just remember, like you might have to take your car right back up there um, because unless they'll take it like way south somewhere. And then you cannot drive. I mean, you guys can listen to episode 89 for uh, the details on the Chilean side again. But I just want to remind you, you you can't drive all the way down the Chilean side. You cannot. You either need to cut across into Argentina um, and come back across, like uh, come back at El Calafate. Um, or you get on a ferry with your car. You get your car on a ferry and you can continue. But there, you cannot drive all the way um, on the Chilean side. So make sure you know what you're up against. Just do research. It takes research. This is a complicated yeah. area. It's not like it's complicated because it's not heavily, it's not heavily populated. There is no cell phone uh, service or Wi-Fi in a lot of places. Um, it takes some planning up front when you're going to be in Patagonia because you you don't want to get stuck down there somewhere, you know, either out of gas or realizing that like you don't know where the next town is. I don't know. There's just it takes a bit of effort. And in places like Torres del Paine National Park, um, you have to have a reservation now. They're changing things because of overtourism. Um, they're trying to keep up and make sure that the park is being taken care of. And so you have to have reservations in advance if you want to stay in the park. Um, you can't just show up. They won't even let you in anymore if you don't if you don't have proof of, you know, at least a campsite or something. And those websites are really difficult to navigate because mm-hmm. because Chile, because Patagonia, because Argentina. <laughs> like it's just it's you can't expect the same sort of service as you get here in this country in the United States, at least, because it's just different there. Like if their website goes down, their website goes down. If they're having problems, they're just having problems. Like they're not going to fix it in three minutes. They might fix it in three weeks if you're lucky, you know, like it's so different down there, which is why, and maybe we can talk about this for a little bit too. I highly recommend 
tour operators down there. Like go with a group trip because A, it's an expensive destination anyway. Okay. Um, I mean, tours are more expensive, but it's an expensive destination anyway. And there are so many like ins and outs, businesses that aren't listed online, schedules that aren't listed online, things that are, you, you can figure it out, but I will tell you, it will stress you out. And a lot of things you're gonna have to do the minute of, or show up 24 hours before, you know, like there's a lot of logistics involved that are, um, that are going to include last minute planning that you can't like figure out in advance. And you just have to show up and be ready to do that and, and be flexible. And I know that that doesn't fit into a lot of people's um, a planning habits or B timelines or, you know, willingness to get out there and do the legwork and stuff. And so, um, if you go with a tour operator, you can have all of that just kind of taken care of for you. Um, and so now Brittany, I want to ask you if you'll answer this question, why do a group trip versus independent travel down there? <laughs> I was, so for the W specifically, um, when it comes to planning the logistics of the W and the time and the money that you would spend to plan it, um, and then what you get out of it. And then what I got out of like your group trip, um, it, it, it didn't, it made more sense for me to just spend. I, I didn't really feel like I spent much more, if any more to go with you, go on a group trip where all those logistics, that are a headache, like you were just describing, are just taken care of for you. Um, because it's like the hiking itself, I could I could ultimately do on my own, you mm-hmm. know, at this point especially. But it's the it's the arranging and reserving the campsites to make sure you have somewhere to stay all of the nights that are going to work in the correct order. Because like you were saying, right. you know, you might have a campsite at French Valley on Monday, but what if you don't have anywhere, they don't have a spot open for you on Tuesday, you know, in mm-hmm. um, Cuernos or, you know, so it's like, it's arranging all of the the logistical side of it, not having to worry about that. It, it's hard down there on the W specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I did end up doing um, like just a day trip to Los Torres. Uh-huh. And that was fairly easy logistically to arrange from Puerto Natales. There's buses that leave every yeah. morning that drop you off at the welcoming center. And then, um, from, or excuse me, they drop you off at like the check-in, you know, where you pay to get into the park. Yeah. Um, and you get your day pass and then, then the, uh, Torres del Paine hotel has a shuttle that comes and picks you up from there and drives you to the welcoming center, um, for like 3000 Chilean pesos. And then that same shuttle connects you back to your return bus into Puerto Natales. So I did a day trip and that logistically, to just hike Los Torres was, was quite easy to arrange. Mm-hmm. However, on that day was when I was really talking, I was talking to people that were doing that bus ride to start the W or they were finishing the W. Um, and then one guy was just doing one night and he had arranged a one night stay at El Centro, mm-hmm. um, which is down at the base of Los Torres. And I hadn't, I hadn't even heard of that refugio, um, to be honest, mm-hmm. but it's funny how you don't notice those things when you're with a group. You just, I didn't even notice the welcoming center. I didn't notice all these things. So I was just with yeah. the group and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, there's this building here. Yeah. Um, but listening, listening to their stories, like even he was, he was like, well, I, I have this reservation. He's like, I think he's like, but I was, there was all these problems with online and just listening to their stories. He wasn't even positive that everything was like set. Mm-hmm. Like he, like you said, he was showing up hoping that that was accurate because mm-hmm. there had been so many, and I, I can't even tell you what all the issues were, but he just was having issues online. And then I met some other people who had just finished the W and they said that once they got on it and started going, 
things lined up, but they started it not like, yes, they had their reservations, but they started it not confident that it was going to go, that those reservations were really there just because of website and technical glitches and language barriers. And so Mm -hmm. they actually start like had a lot of these uncertainties. Um, So just listening to their stories and also having done my own research into, again, the W specifically, by the time you pay and spend all that time planning that, planning that and trying to make sure that you have the reservations. I mean, the end product that I get from a group trip, um, I'm able to focus on living in the moment, the experience. I'm not worried about where I'm sleeping the next night. I I know I have a warm bed at the end of a windy, Mm -hmm. rainy, crappy day, potentially, even though it's a gorgeous day, it might still be a rough day. And it's nice to know that you have a nice roof over your head bed. I'm that type of camper when it comes to rough weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can guarantee me sunshine all night or sunshine and, you know, not too crazy of a night, like I will camp in a tent all night, but you know, doing it the group trip, especially with yours, you know, you, you're in the refugios, you're in these amazing domes. You, you kind of are getting this whole different experience. Um, that to me is well worth it. And, and that makes my experience with, with the nature side of it, with seeing the towers and, you know, seeing Glacier Gray and kayaking and all those experiences, I'm able to focus on those experiences instead of the logistics. Because when I solo travel, the logistics become a huge part of the planning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. You have Mm -hmm. to, you're worried about where you're going to sleep, what you're going to, and especially down there. Mm -hmm. um, If you're going to be camping, if you're going to be in one of the national parks, you have a lot of logistics to cover and taking that out. Yeah. And it's constant. It is absolutely constant. And not having to carry your food mm-hmm. the whole way. I also, mean, I know there's mm-hmm. opportunities to 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 cook along the W, but or to buy food along the W, but that's really expensive if you're mm-hmm. staying in the refugios. And so just when you buy that whole package, you know, I was looking at the prices of staying at the refugios, and I, you know, ultimately the packages generally, I don't feel like you're paying much more to get like a much more inc- um, all inclusive experience. Yeah, uh, no, it's absolutely worth it. I think to just have it taken care of, um, the logistics are crazy. Also specifically on the W that park, um, is literally split into three proprietors. And so there are three different websites that you need to coordinate between to book. I mean, at least two, depending on your route, but if you're camping, then you're looking at three websites, um, for your lodging, for your food, et cetera, just to like be there. And so, I mean, it's just, yeah, that's what I try to do with this group trip is say, hey, like, I know this is a difficult place. I've done it and, you know, I've sorted it all out and you can just jump on with me and I've taken care of, I've taken care of everything. And so, and that's why I think people are starting to realize like the real value in that when they, when they start to try and book things on their own. But um, you guys out there, if you want direction for, if you want help with booking, like if if you're looking for a tour operator, I don't want to, I'm not, I can't offer to help you guys if you're going to do this independently because there's way too many logistics involved. However, if you are looking for a tour operator, you can contact me because I can hook you up with some people that I know down there. Um, so reach out to me on Instagram at Traveling Jackie or you know shoot me an email through one of my websites um, and I can point you in the right direction for tour operators in basically any region of Patagonia um, because it does get really 
confusing down there. And it's nice to just have a contact you can talk to and just like sort it all out. So um, you can contact me for that. And you can, of course, jump on one of my trips um, that I seem to keep doing every year. I mean, (laughs) I can't stay away from this place. And so like this year, this central Patagonia one is um, we're going to do, we're hitting like three, four, four national parks, five national parks. I mean, I'm like counting in my head, just waterfalls, glaciers, kayaking, marble caves. Whew. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, Um, that's happening this November. So if you guys want to check that out, travelingjackie.com slash Patagonia, you can contact me through that page too, if you need to for something. Get on the list at least for group trips if you're interested in um, staying tuned for how you know, what I'm doing in the future there with group trips. Um, Brittany can attest. They're pretty yeah. sweet. <laughs> I was going to say, I might, I might be a little biased, but I mean, I've, I've definitely done some solo traveling at this point and I've done your group trips and I don't do a lot of group. Actually, I don't do group trips outside of it, but you know, mm-hmm. the way Jackie sets them up, the partnership she has in the regions that she goes to, um, they're well-planned, they're thought out, the details. Like I said, you can focus on, on the moment, you can focus on living in the moment and just experiencing it and let them handle all of the rest of it. The food, the logistics, it's amazing. It's all, it's always been taking, we've always been taking care of great. So I cannot recommend them enough. Thank you. Thank you for saying that yeah. out loud. <laughs> I really yeah, no, appreciate thank it. You. I know it makes me I obviously so excited. Keep showing up. <laughs> I know, I know you do. It's so cool. Um, actually, at this point, well, I've run five group trips and you've missed one of them. Don't mention Jordan. Don't I know, mention Jordan. The one you didn't do, but Jordan doesn't exist. It never happened. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not um... bitter. I'm not bitter. Charlie, I'm not bitter. Oh, you should. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. All right. So, well, okay. Let's really quickly go over pa- like a how you would pack for Patagonia. Just because there are some specific things that I would say, like, do not go to Patagonia without these things. Um, I actually do have a list that's like a packing list for the specifically for the W circuit, um, which is kind of tricky because of the way that you carry your luggage and the out and backs and the um, accommodations and stuff. I, um, I will link to all the Patagonia things on the show notes page for you guys so that you can see all these things in one place. I'll, I'll put all the links there for you. Um, you can find that at travelingjackie.com slash podcast. It'll just be listed under this show. Um, but it's just for quick references, the packing list, the Carretera Austral guide, the group trips, etc. I'll put all that stuff there. And then how to contact me if you guys want, um, if you're looking for a tour operator down there. Okay. Packing. <laughs> I actually have a quick little list here that I wrote in my notes when I was on the Carretera Austral last time of things I would never go to Patagonia again without. <laughs> and the first the first thing is waterproof hiking shoes. Um, because I used to not do that. I used to bring running shoes. Well, okay, here's the thing. I have now discovered um, waterproof running shoes, tra- waterproof trail running shoes. And I as a trail runner and as a carry on traveler, like I cannot bring running shoes and hiking boots. It takes up way too much space in my bag. So when I discovered waterproof running shoe, trail running shoes, I was like in heaven. I couldn't believe it took me so long to figure this out. But um, so waterproof is a huge thing. You guys waterproof, waterproof, everything, 
waterproof everything. Like if you don't hear anything else from this episode, hear that. (laughs) Waterproof. Yeah, and still expect Um, to get wet. (laughs) I know, I know. It's like Patagonia is where you go to test the real waterproofing of your rain jacket. And I've had people on my group trips like throw their jackets away and buy new (laughs) ones down there because they're like, well, that's not waterproof, you know, so that's like a serious thing. Um, Waterproof hiking shoes. So just a fun little expert tip here. I combine those with gaiters. So if the trail is snowy or mucky enough or like the weather is bad enough, I will combine the waterproof trail running shoes with gaiters um, to keep every, anything from like getting into the ankles or whatever, kind of protect my legs a little bit. Cause I wear running tights when I hike. And then if it gets really bad, you put on your waterproof hiking pants, which you obviously have with you because you're in Patagonia. Oh my gosh. I can't, I, I'm like ashamed to admit that it took me until this last trip that you, that we were just there. It took me that yeah. long to get waterproof hiking pants. And I'm it's because I learned I my lesson without them. No, <laughs> I just, it's like, I went far long enough. I just, I learned my lesson just the hardest way. And it's, I mean, if you get the really nasty, bad weather, you cannot be more miserable in weather. I feel like it's like it, when it's bad, it's bad. And so just yeah. go prepared. Um, I have and a once really, you're, wet, you're what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a really nice pair of like waterproof hiking pants. They're by Arcteryx now. Like I am not messing around anymore. Let's see. Wool socks, a wool be or like a, a beanie, something to keep your head warm. Mm. And, and also, oh yeah. Buff headlamp, baseball hat for like the sunny days. Keep Sunscreen big time. There's a hole in the ozone layer down in the Southern hemisphere, you guys. So bring sunscreen and don't buy it down there because it's like $16 a bottle. Bring it with you. <laughs> I always say that. Um, bring a water bottle in Patagonia, um, especially on the W in some places where it's that pure of nature, you can drink straight from the streams um, or grab something like a grail. Uh, we actually, I got grails for everybody on our last Patagonia trip, little shout out to grail there. Um, they, and in fact, they're, they just came out with a brand new, bottle called a geo press that is so Brittany, the one that we had was like 16 ounces. They made it, they like solved all the problems with this new one. They, they made it bigger and they made an air vent so that it like air can escape while you're pressing, you know, like that was like our biggest issue. It pushes easier. Like, yes. So basically with this grail geo press, it's grail G R A Y L. If you guys want to check them out. Um, I really do recommend this bottle because you can drink from anywhere um, cause it has its own filtration system, but anyway, you can, you fill up like the main container and then it's like a press filter, sort of like a French press. And, um, and then you can just drink straight from the bottle. So that's a good one to bring, but bring a re- reusable water bottle, please. You guys, I hope you're not using plastic bottles, like one time use plastic bottles out there. Let's not do that. Waterproof gloves is a big thing, like not just for warmth, but to keep you safe from the elements. Like it's windy and rainy down there. And like Brittany said, once you're wet, you're wet, you know, like waterproof gloves, um, one yeah, thing, even that, if you fall sometimes when it's wet, you like on the, on the ice or different parts, it kind of protects your hand too. Definitely. I am a fan. I am definitely a fan of gloves. Yeah. Oh, sunglasses. Sad note. Sorry, Britt. I know you lost, I lost yours. my amazing ones. <laughs> I know it's dude. Patagonia eats sunglasses. I have lost pairs of sunglasses down there. Um, so don't bring your really expensive ones or 
Wear croquis. Grab croquis and put yeah. them on your glasses. Do not let them get blown away because Patagonia will eat them. Patagonia loves to eat sunglasses. So wear your croquis, the little strap that goes around your, you know, and holds your sunglasses on your head. Do that. What else? Uh, a portable phone charger, my anchor. I bring that thing everywhere because electricity is few and far between when you're in the backcountry. Um, you never know when you're just going to be without it. So something that can charge your phone camera, you know, your connection to the world um, multiple times is, I think, key. Um, bring packs of emergency. Bring bring like noon tablets for hydration, like replenishing. One of my other favorite things is compression socks. Didn't you get a pair? Yes. They're amazing. Like when yeah, you have a long day socks. on the trail, put the compression socks on that night. Uh, and they it's like it helps you with recovery. I mean, you're not supposed to wear them for longer than like eight hours or something, but like between compression socks and hydration tablets, those are like, it's like helping your body recover so you can hit the trail strong every day. Also, the part that you said at the very beginning about how you started training for Patagonia, that is key. You guys Mm -hmm. train, get out there, hit the trail and train for it. Cause I, Brittany, you killed it that first you killed it. You were like running on those trails. I swear. <laughs> like when you said earlier in this episode, when you said I was at the back of the group, I'm sitting here thinking, no, you weren't like what? Like, no way. I feel like our entire group absolutely killed it. And I make a huge point when I do my group trips, I ask everybody, you know, like after they sign up and we Skype and say, hi, I say like, are you ready for this? Like, will you train for this? Are you willing to, you know, can you hit the trail every day? Because not it's not just so you can keep up with the group, which I do think is important. Like group dynamic is important to stay together. However, you are going to feel so much better every single day if you are in shape to be there. Yeah. One absolutely. thing about Patagonia, we're not worrying about elevation. We didn't say that before, but eleva- or most of Patagonia is like sea level or just within the first few thousand feet um, because you're at the sea, like you're down at the ocean. So you don't have to worry about elevation. Thank goodness. Like that's one thing you don't have to worry about. But if you really want to experience Patagonia for Patagonia, you're going to hit the trail, like get deep into nature every day, you know, like, so be ready for the elements, like train your body, get good sleep, get in shape to hike. And you're going to be the best, like physical that you can be down there to really appreciate, um, where you are and you will struggle a lot less. Um, and then on top of that, get (laughs) compression socks and noon tabs and like emergency and all that, um, waterproof everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the key. Waterproof everything. I can't also, believe I still showed up with no waterproof know, pants this last I time. I you just, need to just do it, Brittany. I you just can't you believe keep it. going back. This is the thing. It's like, man, I could have used this like for like so a year times. of my life by now, you know, <laughs> that I've been like instead just like stressing about weather. Like, no, they say there's no bad weather, just bad gear. And I completely agree with that because it's just true. Like when you're out there with the right gear, you don't feel it. You're just enjoying the experience. Yeah. So very true. Also, one other thing, black clothes because they dry quickly and they're warm in the sun. Have you thought about that? Mm, I've never thought about that. No. It's I so mean, I've thought true, about them though. being warm in the sun, but yeah. Black clothes is a good idea. Um, dry shampoo is one of my faves. Uh, and baby wipes, because if you are without yes. showers, you can take care of a lot with those two things. What else do you think? All the layers. All the layers. Yeah a good backpack that's comfortable. Yeah. A good backpack that's comfortable and sits on your, like your, your waist, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your hips. Yeah. Brittany and I have both done, um, we're both 
fans of the Farpoint 55 uh, by Osprey. That's kind of like my go-to pack. And I have taken that um, through Patagonia like just about every time that I've been there. Except for this last time, I took a Kite 46 on the W and that it worked really well for the W. Between that and having like a stuffable day pack worked really well, which a day pack is really important. That's a good point. Just for the hikes, you know, like something to carry yeah, your water, carry your day layers, um, carry your lunch, et cetera. Like make sure you have something for that. But yeah, I will definitely link to the packing lists that I've made um, on the show notes page. But yeah, be ready for adventure. Bottom line, it is an adventure. I I compare it to Switzerland. I have not been to New Zealand, but I hear it compared to New Zealand a lot. It's big mountain adventure. That's what Patagonia is. And so it's definitely not for everyone. It's really, really not. <laughs> like no. you've got to be willing to be <laughs> off grid a lot. You've got to be willing to, I mean, not everywhere is going to be able to meet your dietary needs because they're in the woods. They don't have a lot of, you know, if you have a lot of restrictions, consider that. Bring your own food if you need to. It's not easy to get stuff down there. It's literally like beyond civilization. And so it's far, um, it's not comfortable. It like gets you out of your comfort zone. You know, like, of course you can find luxury resorts down there and they will take care of you head to toe. Um, But I don't think... You're, it's not very Patagonia. Yeah. Well, it can be. Like, I it, mean, it really, can be. You're right. Yes. But, but I mean, I don't think that my listeners are really the ones that are signing up for the luxury resorts. Um, you know, and so you got to take care of yourself down there. Like, it's very, it's the place where you figure out how resourceful you are. Like, that's Patagonia. Um, flexible <laughs> with weather, with logistics, with things going wrong. Like, you just have to be flexible down there. It's It's an adventurous place for sure. So just be ready, I guess, for anything and be prepared. Be prepared. Give yourself plenty of time. Do the research in advance. Come on a group trip with me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know what? We might even, I I think I'm going to leave. I was thinking about skipping or putting this into two episodes, but I think we're just going to leave it as a long one and just let people listen to the whole thing. So I know that I could talk about Patagonia forever. Oh and it's like totally made my day to like start the day off talking about Patagonia. I, I just, <laughs> I love it. But is there anything else that you want to add or? No, I mean, yeah, I think the key is just do your research. Like you said, go prepared. Really think about what you want out of it, I guess, before you sign up. If you're looking for, like you said, the mountains, if you're looking to hike, if you're looking to kayak and kind of really focus in on what you want out of it and go to those regions for it. Um mm-hmm. Be prepared, have the right clothing because otherwise you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to let yourself have that full experience. And Patagonia can definitely can definitely give you an experience of a lifetime. So just Mm -hmm. if you if you go prepared and let it, it'll it'll change you. So Mm -hmm. watch out, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, again, you can find all the notes. Um, I'm just going to put some links for this one at uh, travelingjockey.com slash podcast. Uh, Look for episode 106 and you can find some links there. And then as always, you guys, group trips, travelingjockey.com slash trips or specifically slash Patagonia. If you want to see whatever's happening next for Patagonia with me, it's going to be at that link always. Um, And I would love to see you on a a group trip. It's cool because I've actually had... So Brittany and then 
I had Carly, Brittany, you know, Carly, she's yes. been, you've been on a couple trips with her. She, we've been on two trips. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. She was just on, um, talking with me about, about Switzerland because she came cycling with me in the Swiss Alps this fall. And it's such a cool thing for me to be able to like have you people in my life also, you know, I mean, I know yeah. that as a, as a podcaster, you get to choose if I'm in your life, but like, I don't have control over you until you show up. And it's so cool for me to have you guys in my life now and get to invite you on the show and talk about your experience. And I mean, you were a listener and I remember the first time that we Skyped and you were like nervous and I don't know, it was just, <laughs> and look how far, like that was like three years ago, you know, it's just, it, yeah. this is so special in so many ways. And I love that I got to, sh that I've gotten to share Patagonia with you three times. Um, maybe more in the future. I mean, your track record is pretty good. And yeah, so, yeah, maybe I'll see some of these listeners out there. Yeah, it'd be so cool. Um, but yeah, Brittany, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate you just kind of helping me. I know that I talked a lot, but, you know, just helping me kind of get this idea of Patagonia sort of on the table and try and help people with where to start and what to think about. And I mean, there's a lot... There's a lot even to go from here. I feel like we just gave them like square one, really, which yeah. is, it's just that there's a lot. Like I could, I mean, I did a whole episode. We had to split that one in two about the Carretera Austral. That was like one section, you know? And and so I feel like there's there's a lot more information definitely where this came from, but um, maybe for another day. And I, I yeah, hope at least... I was gonna say, you could almost do an episode per region. <laughs> I, I could, I know. <laughs> to really break down if you wanted to get into details and, you know. I know, and you know what? That's maybe, how much info there is. Maybe I will at some point. Um, but at least I hope this gives you guys sort of a an enlightening, like, to the map, you know, at least showing you guys a little bit about how to start thinking about Patagonia and when to go and what to expect. And um, yeah, and if you have questions, you know, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. Uh, Brittany's on Instagram too. Uh, what's your Instagram, Brit? Brittany abroad. Brittany abroad. <laughs> I remember Ooh. when you, when you changed it to that. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was all excited. It was right before my big year. It was when I was in your mentor group. Cause I also yeah. did your, your women's mentor That's group. Right. You did. Yeah. So it was during that. I remember I talked to you guys about, it. I was like, I, I think I'm going to change my Instagram yep. handle. <laughs> I know. What's funny is we just announced that to like everybody. And the reason you said Brittany abroad is so that, like you wouldn't be found. <laughs> Right. Well, okay, I mean, we'll, no, we'll just pretend that doesn't well, happen. You know, I want people to find me that are wanting travel inspiration. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, basically, I'm not looking to get hit up by people from seventh and eighth grade again. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but y'all, feel free yeah. to check it out. Um, yeah. My most recent photos are still Patagonia, actually. Yay. So cool. you can see that trip. Yeah. I, I did the 10 days with Jackie and I was also down there for a total of a month this last time and did Ushuaia and Bariloche again. So they can check all that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe meet you on the road down there too, or on a group trip with me somewhere. Yeah. Um, hey, it's, it's very likely. I'd yeah. say the chances, I know. I know. I think the chances the are a hundred percent. The chances are there. <laughs> so, but, but thank you for having me. It was, it was fun. I, I love talking about Patagonia. It's uh, like I said, a very special place for me and yeah. it's fun for me to have this come full circle to, you know, like you said, first Skype conversation, I was all <laughs> meeting a celebrity in my mind, you know, <laughs> I was all nervous. And now to, to have that friendship, have that connection and all the people I've met through your group travels and yes. through your community. And I, I love it. 
So I, I love it's fun it to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I just so appreciate everything that you just said. Um, yeah, it's real, you guys. Like we're real people. <laughs> we're really doing this. <laughs> it's super cool. Um, all right. Well, until next time, which I'm hoping will be very soon. Um, thank you again. And um, you guys, I hope you check out those links and I hope that you will end up on one of these group trips with me someday because they are the bomb pretty much. So, and with that, I guess um, we'll let this Patagonia thing go for now and uh, maybe I'll pick it back up again at some point. But thank you guys for listening. Brittany, thank you for being here and um, I hope I'll see you soon. Yeah, see y'all in Patagonia. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Bye. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.